welcome to the Great Exposure Podcast. I am your host, Tanner Sigfort, owner of a booking agency called Groove Booking. I created this podcast to feature all of the incredible artists I work with, and through our conversations, getting to know them, plus providing info on the music industry. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Tanner. There's there's so much prep in getting this video thing together. There's a lot happening right now. Yeah. But you're doing a great job. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being patient. Um, so, man, I haven't seen you in a minute. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like to not have so much conversation like when you walk in the door because yeah. I, I like to save it for the pod. That's... That's the thing, right? All the all the good stuff comes out comes out when you're not recording. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but you did say that you are going to be getting out of this uh, hellish weather and going on vacation. Yep. <clears throat> Very excited. Doesn't happen often. Uh, so been looking forward to this trip for a long time. Um, and uh, yeah, two weeks on the East Coast should be should be nice. Yeah, that'll be very nice. Yeah. What's the weather like there? Uh, I mean, is it humid in Massachusetts? Yeah, it definitely gets okay. definitely gets humid. Although, you know, it it really ch- it changes so frequently that it's hard to say one way or the other. And and you know, Vermont just got a ton of rain and dealt with flooding. Whereas I heard about that. Yeah, so I, it depends where you are in New England. It's it's hard to say like this is what it is. But I think it's been a rainy fall. Uh, I'm sorry, rainy spring for them, which means like. It's going to be, there's going to be mosquitoes. It's going to be humid. It's going to be awesome. That sounds awesome. Doesn't it? You, you made it sound awesome. <laughs> I do my best. I have to, I have to hype myself up a little bit. Oh, do you really? A little bit. Yeah. Plenty of, plenty of gold bonds powder and everything's <laughs> going to be fine. I'm not, I'm not kidding. He, I bet you're not kidding. <laughs> um, okay. So, so you're from where in Massachusetts? Uh, a little town, um, kind of more in the in the central part of Massachusetts, called South Hadley. It's a little college town. Um, it's uh, the college is an all women's college called Mount Holyoke College, and the and the town itself is very small. It's just this mm-hmm. kind of rural, right on the Connecticut River. Um, it's it was really an awesome place to grow up. You know, you know, biking all around town and no like no worries and. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, you know, and being a kid and having an all women's college in your town doesn't suck either. Yeah, you know what I mean. Did Did you go to that college? Not as a well as a student, actually. Yeah, when I was in high school, I was pretty good at French, and I kind of tested out of the high school French. So I was taking classes at Mount Holyoke. But as a man, uh, you you don't see many men on campus, you know, because oh, okay. it's all, all all women's college. Uh, so how do they let you attend then? This I don't know. Kind of That's a... a good question. I think somebody asked somebody and, and it was okayed. Um, I mean, it's, it's part of a five college system. So there's U- UMass Amherst where I was eventually enrolled and then Mount Holyoke college, Hampshire college, Amherst college and, um, Smith, which is also an all women's college in Northampton. So this okay. is like, if you attend one college, you can kind of go, t- you know, take some classes and some on some of the other campuses, but I wasn't even in college at that point. So I don't, I, that's a good question. I don't remember who asked who, but I ended yeah. up in this French class. Um, with all women. With all women. And, and and that's great. But I was referring mainly to the fact of being like a high school kid 
and you know, like anyway, I don't have to get into detail, but it was <laughs> it was a very, rather fun. As, as a man interested in women, yeah, it's not a bad thing. That wasn't a. It was a great thing. It was a yeah. lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. So that you're going back to visit family, and two weeks is <clears throat> two weeks is the, I think, the perfect length of vacation. Yeah. I don't know about you, but it takes me. Um, it takes me three or four days to get like acclimated to mm. vacation, mm. and then I can kind of be more lazy about okay, I don't have to really think about like running a business right. or what do I have to do when I get home. Right. But at the same time, the longer you're gone, you you can feel refreshed coming back. But I also feel like it's it's harder to get back into the workflow. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Two, two, yeah, I, I'm with you. Two weeks. And anything longer, then I'd start to feel guilty about not doing the thing, you yeah. know. But, I've, you know, as I said, th- this is something we've been planning this uh, family vacation for a long time. And I'm really looking forward to just seeing my extended family and hanging out and being on the beach. And, and um, I'm actually bringing some podcast uh, gear. Oh, are you? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just just we haven't seen each other in so long. And, and uh, I just threw it out. We have like a cousin text thread. I was like, hey, if I brought some a couple mics and an interface, would anyone like? Do, does anyone see value in that? And and I was like, yeah, I want to ask. You know, let's find out early memories of this trip because we've been doing it forever. You know, like and talking to the older generation, talking to the younger generation, and so I don't know what's going to happen. It, you know, it's not going to be podcast gold, I'm sure, but um, just for our family, just to have those kind of memories yeah. and you know. So anyway. That's super cool. But I remember listening to um, your pod. So actually, you have a podcast we should probably mention. Uh, So the story goes. Yeah. Uh, That has been going for how many years now? Well, it started during the pandemic. I think it started in 2020. Okay. Um, I have over, I think I have like 120 episodes. I think that's what it is. Um, Yeah, it was a pandemic project. I don't remember exactly when it started. Um but I, it was started to just kind of like reconnect with my community and uh, sit down with friends and talk about how they were coping um, with not being able to to perform and and how they were staying creative and staying positive and and um, you know it was like group therapy and and it's obviously kind of morphed um, from that thing, but. It's still just conversations with creative people and and creativity and you know musical memories and what's on the horizon and you know so it's really just an opportunity for me to to have conversations which I I dig and and I've met a lot of people through it and friends of friends who have been recommended I'm like oh I didn't know you know and what I'm finding is that and maybe you're finding this too but there are so many great musicians in this town and and they don't all live in this one little bubble there's a variety of bubbles. Um, so it's been cool to network and, and to meet people and to have fun conversations and, and to hear about process and, you know, what was inspiring and what is inspiring. And so, yeah. Well, can I say we'll give it up? My name is Brian Chartrand. I am a singer songwriter based in Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm here to tell you about my podcast called So the Story Goes. This podcast was started a couple years ago uh, just so I could connect with creatives and to see how they were staying creative during the pandemic. Obviously, we have evolved beyond that, 
uh, which is great. I'm having really fun conversations uh, with musicians, but also just, you know, generally creative people, people in the industry. And I love having these conversations, how you're staying creative, what you're doing, uh, what's happening. So if you love music, if you love creative people, (laughs) uh, please check out my podcast. It's called So the Story Goes. You can find it wherever you find your podcasts. And I'm super stoked for Tanner, who is doing an incredible podcast called Great Exposure. Not only is Tanner a great booking agent, but he is a really compelling podcaster. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Tanner. Appreciate you, buddy. I work with Tanner as a musician here in town when I'm not on the road. And I love what he does. I love the podcast. Check out So The Story Goes. Hope to see you on the road. So, yeah. um, is this the furthest bubble you've traveled to? <laughs> <laughs> I should have brought a little sandwich with me. A little road snack. No. Uh, you're, we're out here, bro. But yeah, this is a, no. you got a beautiful setup. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a new it's a new bubble for me, for sure. Yeah, this is about the furthest you can go uh, southeast before, like, Queen Creek. Yeah. Which is definitely getting out there. I mean, honestly, if you would have told me... So my wife and I moved in together to a rental house in further west Mesa in 2017, I think. And I was always trying to get out of Mesa. Mm-hmm. Are we in Mesa? We are still in Mesa. We're still in Mesa. Yeah. So the we're show... kind of on the we're kind of on the border of like um, Casa Grande. <laughs> no, not that far. <laughs> um, kind of like Queen Creek, and uh, as much as I hate to say it, Apache Junction is technically not that far further yeah. east. Um, but anyways, so I mean, yeah, it's 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 a gorgeous neighborhood out here, yeah, and, really and we knew gorgeous. about it. Yeah. But this was actually the old GM proving grounds. Ah. How long have you lived here? 20 years. Okay. So I don't know if you had known anything about that, but back in the day... It was the test track, you mean? It was a test track. Yeah. So GM's plant was out here. And if you look on... If you look on a map prior to um, like a Google above image prior to like 2018, when they really started populating and building this area, you can see the old... I don't know how big it is Mm mile-wise, but I think it's like a three or four mile banked oval, not even an oval. I think it was a perfect circle and they would, they did it out here to test extreme heat and run it at 140 miles an hour and do all these things. And so once that went away, um, whatever builder bought this huge piece of property and said, Hey, this is the new thing. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's, this is about 10 minutes further from where I previously lived um, I will say that 10 minutes makes a little bit of a difference sometimes, I would but imagine, yeah. it's, uh, but good prices out here for what you're getting. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't willing to sacrifice like another 20 minutes going all the way to Queen Creek or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I personally love the East Valley. I'm a huge outdoors biking, hiking guy. And the fact that I can go to the bike trails 10 minutes away. Um, yeah, that's is really nice. That's it. That's the selling point for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, um, but I was gonna say something about your podcast with um, Vertical Horizons. Oh, Matt Scannell. Matt Scannell. Yeah, he was mentioning, or no, you were mentioning that your brother 
uh-huh. played music, and that's how you two met. Am I butchering that? <clears throat> no, that's pretty close. Um, my brother and Matt went to the same high school. Okay. And, and, and how much older or younger is your brother? He, uh, my brother is six years older than me. Okay. Um, so he's in his early 50s. And uh, yeah, so they were, I, I don't know if they were classmates, if, if they were in the same grade, but they were buds They and they played in, in bands all throughout mm-hmm. high school. And um, yeah, I remember Matt in Vertical Horizon as an acoustic duo and and being like, well, how do you do that? Like, how do you make money playing guitar? You know, he, and he was out there doing it. And then obviously their huge success. I was like, holy sh- I know that guy. Like, yeah. I like I know him as a kid. Um, so yeah, that was a trip to talk to him. He's super sweet and super humble, and yeah, he's just an awesome dude. And it's great to see that that he's back out touring and put a band together and celebrating that catalog because those, I mean, those were some huge hits. And I mean, I still remember those videos. And and anyway. Yeah, it's been it's it was cool to reconnect with him. Um and any any time he's in town, which isn't often, but I try to hit him up and we you know, mm-hmm. I try to at least go to the show, you know. I'm I'm still waiting to book Vertical Horizon for some sort of gig around Arizona. Heck yeah. Um I've pushed him <clears throat> excuse me, I've pushed him twice now hmm. and uh they just been I think the wrong kind of genre for what these festivals have been looking for. But mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, their their prices um, I think probably pretty decent, um, but they should charge what they charge because they had mm-hmm. lots of success. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even even uh, I forget what album it is. I think it's like a blue album with clocks on it. I think it came out in like late 2010s or so. Mm-hmm. Great songs. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much like radio a success it had, just because I don't think rock music is that anymore. Right. But very very well written songs. Production is insane. Yeah. Um, but there, I think there's a lot of bands like that um, that are still doing the touring thing, and it, I'm I'm happy to see that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm saying along the same um, decade and genre as Vertical Horizon, mm-hmm. um, we could probably go into a lot of those names. But um, well, and, and now I think a lot of it, you know, it's kind of like a nostalgia thing a little bit, like that that demo that grew up listening to that music when it was on the radio um you know they're putting kind of some coal bills together like i'm friends with another guy on the podcast was chris Barron of the spin doctors and like they had great success and they're out still touring and headlining festivals in iowa and and then they'll get packaged with like the gin blossoms and right. so like and you know i would i would go see that show i mean i absolutely you know so it, it's still good music and they're still out there great performers and, and great tunes and, and I think there's a bit of nostalgia in those, in those shows which is great because I didn't get to see them live necessarily at that time right uh, have you seen the throwback cruise with Creed no you haven't you haven't seen that okay hold on Creed come on so you were you were into you had a guilty pleasure. What was your guilty? Creed. It was Creed. It was Creed. I thought it was Nickelback or something. Uh, I like Nickelback. I think that's where our podcast. I mean, here's went. the thing: is like I don't actively listen to it. Oh, well, come let me on. pull this up here come because. On. So Creed reunites for summer of '99 cruise. So this is summer through. This is through line. Norwegian Cruise Line. <clears throat> Who else is on it? A lot of big. I got to find the. Uh... Oh come on. There, there was a flyer for it. 
No, that's, I mean, if you want to shop Norwegian cruises. Let's go on a cruise. Come on, give me the poster. Okay. Creed headlines, uh, three doors down, okay. buck cherry, tonic, verticals on it. Okay. Fuel, the verve pipe, tantric, tantric. dishwalla. I love dishwalla, but it's not the original singer, unfortunately. Nine days, and I don't know who Louise Post of Veruca Salt is. I remember Veruca Salt, the band, okay. but I don't, maybe it was, that was the lead singer or something. Well, it sounds like So, it. yeah, it's only a four-day deal, or six-day deal, I guess. Uh, yeah, six days, but fun. it goes from Miami to Nassau, I think that's Nassau. what you Nassau, thank you. Uh, Bahamas, and I think they play two sets. That's awesome. Are you going to do it? I've been kind of thinking about it, but <laughs> my parents really want to go. And my wife's like, I don't, she's like, do you understand the crowd that's going to be on that ship? And I was like, you're not wrong. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, that's what you get. It's you just know? like dad rock. Yeah. You know, but then I'm into it. I'm not a dad. You're a dog dad. I am a dog dad. You did see that. I even I have my dogs on my shirt. Yeah, you you're way in. I'm way in. Well, if you do go, I want to hear about it. And if okay. you and if you get it, get in front of Matt. Say hey, say hey for me. I will. I will do that. Okay. Um. So what what was I going to ask you about with uh, the sweet remains mm-hmm. and life from Laurel Canyon? Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been able to travel some this summer with both projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> the Sweet Remains, mm-hmm. I don't know a ton about, uh, except that y'all have pretty great success, in, in my opinion, from seeing streaming numbers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure this is a story you've told a thousand times to people, but I really don't know the story of Sweet Remains mm-hmm. and, and how you got involved in that. Yeah, um, it was uh, um, 2000 and. I guess around 2006, when MySpace uh, was where you went to promote your music and connect with people, <laughs> and my buddy um, Mark uh, had a, I want to say like a, a weekly or a monthly playlist that he would put together and combine some of his favorite artists, and I was in a band at that time uh, called $10 Outfit, and he put my song uh, better ways to spend the day and he was also a fan of Rich Price who at the time singer songwriter um, that was living in Los Angeles and, and Mark really enjoyed a song of his mm-hmm. and so he put us both on this one playlist and I forget which Rich Price tune he put on there but that was kind of like the the moment <clears throat> where creatively we kind of came together and he reached out to me or I reached out to him and I was like, Oh, you're in Los Angeles. I'm a Phoenix. Like let's do some shows. And, um, and we share a lot of the same, uh, um, yeah, inspiration, let's say, uh, songs and, and, uh, bands and, uh, influences, sorry, not in, in inspirations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we met up and we, we made some music and, you know, it was like, it was like a cheesy bar acoustic duo gig, but, he would sing some harmonies and I would catch some harmonies of hit tune and we'd play a cover song that we both knew and it kind of organically grew out of that and and it was um um Thanksgiving of 2006 and I called Rich and I said hey man why don't, what are we doing like let's go on tour we both have connections uh to new to new england so we could put some shows there together we we could do some shows in california and he had a 15 passenger van by chance and so we 
got together in like Sacramento and, and we booked a two or three week tour that um, went kind of across the country into New England and it was supposed to go down the coast and then southern route back to L.A. <clears throat> the van ultimately broke down somewhere. As they always do. Yeah, in like <laughs> D.C. or something. But So the, we weren't able to complete the tour, but along the way, uh, Rich had a friend, Greg Naughton. Because you were a duo at the time. Right. Okay. Right. Um, Rich was like, hey, Greg, who lives in New England, we have some shows. They knew each other. They played together before. I knew some of Rich's stuff. Rich knew my stuff. So I was like, well, let's just, you know, hop on a couple of these bills. I think you would enjoy it. And, and we're all kind of natural harmony singers. And and so we met up. I met Greg um, in in Rhode Island. We had a, a gig at a college, which was kind of like an anchor gig for us. <clears throat> so we, uh, we played a couple songs and we're like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I can do this for your song. You can sing harmony here. And so we kind of just roughly put this little trio set together. Mm -hmm. We all love harmony. So it was like a lot of three-part harmony and two acoustic guitars and a piano. And um, after that, we're like, wow, we should, let's think about making a record because we all kind of had these tunes and no home, no band right. for them. Um, so Richie went back to Los Angeles after the van broke down. I don't know what happened to that van. It's like we just like ditched it in a in a parking lot somewhere. It's still sitting it's there. It's still there running, probably <laughs> idling. Um, so in 2007, Richie, we, we piled into Richie's little studio apartment in L.A. at the intersection of Laurel and Sunset and uh, made a record in a week. And we did, I think, I don't know, 14 tunes and everyone contributed a bunch and we put a cover on there and we we just lived and breathed that record for a week and had friends come over to track Cajon and we'd send it out to a buddy who put some keys on it. and But it was this fun, super fun, organic <clears throat> experiment and that's the record that that um, has found some success on, on, on varying levels. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some of the tunes, like one tune, Dance With Me, ended up on a Putamayo um, compilation, which, which they do a, a bunch of different compilations, like, you know, like, um, like a jazz, uh, a world compilation of yada, yada, yada. And we dance with me was put on the uh, acoustic cafe, Putamayo compilation, which mm -hmm. sells in like every lots of stores. And so we're like, Oh wow. You know, you back know, when CDs was a thing. CDs were a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we were all very excited. And then, um, yeah, we, we we didn't have management, and everyone kind of had different things, but but over the... So that was 2008 when that record came out. Um, and again, it's it's kind of heavy uh, harmony, rural acoustic vibes, kind of folk rock along the lines of a Crosby, Stills & Nash, or a kind of a Simon & Garfunkel with a, with a bit of a groove behind it. Um, and we're working on our fifth studio album, um, kind of picking the the tunes um and trying to do this piecemeal because now richie's in burlington vermont greg is in southern connecticut i'm in phoenix mm -hmm. and everyone's busy now we have a thousand other projects so we're just trying to uh find the time uh to put the fifth record together but yeah and then found some success um some playlists on spotify really loved moving in slow motion and some of our other tunes and and um yeah and it's like the little the little engine that could and um about 10 years into being a band we, we were approached by a booking agency that that put us um 
in performing arts centers across the country. And that was awesome. And then the pandemic and then that wasn't awesome. So, you know, it's been a roller coaster, but we still we still gig. We still write. We still uh, tour and we still have fun. And, you know, no one hates some, you know, it's like the normal dynamic or the normal lifespan uh, shelf life of a band is is typically shorter than and and we're celebrating whatever that is 15 years or 16 years of being a, a band and so that that's been a ton of fun and yeah. it, you know we're, we're still chugging along so i'm i'm super thankful that i have that outlet uh, in my life because I was finding, as I said, that, you know, some songs wouldn't work with $10 outfit or wouldn't work with another band that I started called the project. And, mm -hmm. and so it's just nice to have a home, you know, for, for whatever you create, you can, you have a home, uh, a band that can realize kind of the vision of it. So that's awesome. Yeah. So when you do, uh, have tours or shows, um, well, I guess that is my question. Are are you doing more one-offs nowadays, fly dates, or are you still trying to do at least maybe a small tour per year? Um, I think our sweet spot um, is like long weekends, a couple, maybe a couple of those, a quarter. Mm -hmm. um, because again, everyone has other projects. So to, to do a two to three week run just really isn't in the cards. Right. And they have kids and, and, families that, that keep them busy and, and other jobs and uh, other bands. So, you know, our sweet spot, um, is like leave, you know, fly day on Thursday, gig Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come home Monday or something to that effect. Right. Um, um, we just recently did, for example, um, fly day on Thursday, no, sorry, fly day on Wednesday. Then we did Thursday in basically Burlington, Vermont. Then we drove to Booth Bay Harbor, Maine, um, which was a bit of a slog. And then we drove to Southern Connecticut and then we drove back to Burlington and then we flew out. So, you know, a couple travel days, two to three gigs. Um, and this was when? Like two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, yeah. And we, you know, we do, we'll do Pacific Northwest. We'll do kind of a Phoenix, Southern Phoenix area run. Um, we'll do something in Dallas. Then we'll go to Chicago. Like it, it will just, all over the place. Um, we have some upcoming stuff this fall, next spring. And that's another thing that's kind of cool about working with PAX is that they book so far out that you can really, you know, if you find an anchor date, and and I got to shout out SRO, our booking agency, um, because they, they know how, they know routing, you know, they find the anchor date and they work around it to build around it. So, it, you know, it's not, we're not doing door deals. You know, we right. know we can budget, you know, we, and, so, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's fun. It's like nice hospitality, like all the things that, that, that you're like, Oh, I could get used to this, you know, nice stages, great sound systems. You, yeah. you know, you walk in at three, there's sandwiches and coffee and, and everything's been line checked and you're just like, all right, cool. Seeing the green room. And then, then they serve dinner and you know, it's like, and then you go to a hotel and we're not sleeping on couches or, you know, so it's, it's really comfortable. And, um, and the demo at, at these performing arts centers, I think, really um, um, associates with this style of music, you know, because it is reminiscent of those classic right. uh, vocal groups and, and folk rock. It's, you know, it's not, you don't dance to this music necessarily. It's, you know, it's all seated. It's just like very respectable. You know what I mean? That's what I was going to ask, because that it sounds like you're doing mostly 
theaters, performing arts centers sort of deals. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask, are those more of a nervous energy when everybody is quiet in a room listening than a normal sort of a gig with lots of noise and Mm. people are standing. I don't know how many bands you've been in where you're in that atmosphere. Um, but I know for myself, whenever I've been in a heavily, I would call scrutinized (laughs) sort of gig where people are just eyes on you the whole time. Yeah. It's, it's way more nerve wracking no matter how many people are in there it could be a lot. It could be 20. Yeah. Well, I think that specifically for the sweet remains, that style of music, like we prefer the listening room environment. Mm-hmm. We prefer because it, what we're trying to do is so nuanced and intricate. As soon as there is noise, it's kind of hard to do. And, and, and something that we've been developing or incorporating in, into our show in the last couple of years is this, kind of all around one condenser mic so that nothing is amplified. You have the couple, one condenser mic kind of for the guitars and a condenser mic, and we all huddle around it, you know, like old-timey times and um, like bluegrass style. Yeah. And uh, so if it was a busy room, no one would hear Mm -hmm. anything. So we really like the seated, quiet, you know. I mean, we do, we try to make it dynamic. Like it's not all like that. Um, and then, you know, mostly we're a four or five piece, so we can, we can dig in when we need to. And then it, and then there's singing and interaction and, um, but yeah, no, we, we prefer the, the highly scrutinized pin drop. And that just, I mean, that says to us that people are really, they give a shit and they're paying attention and that's what we want, you know? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah, I was just asking because the, the few gigs that I have played where it's more of that seated uh well listening audience i'm mm-hmm. like oh whoa like i have to really focus on mm-hmm. this <laughs> yeah well and, it, and it's something that um i think that the band learned from doing like house concerts where sometimes there's a pa sometimes there isn't maybe you know but everyone is just focused on on you and the performance and, and listening to the song and then you get better at setting the song up so you know banter is a big part of our show letting people into the song before they hear it we find um gives the audience a, a chance at, at at getting the the meaning of it um so it's it's in the in the spirit of the house concert um and again it's you know it's seated and quiet and beautiful and sounds great so yeah that's that's kind of our that's what we want that's what you know, we get yeah. bummed out if we're like in a club, you know. Right. <laughs> well, I'm sure you're not booking those sort of things nowadays now that you've had years under your belt with that band and success. Yeah. Um, so that's good to hear. I don't miss playing clubs. I mean, I, I, di- I did it all, you know, since high school and was in rock bands, like proper rock bands. But this is not that. And, and I think right. it's better suited for that performing arts center. Yeah. Going back to you said SRO mm-hmm. is who does your um Booking. Booking, yeah. So, well, they they did. Uh, Jeff Laramie has been the head of SRO. It's a little boutique um, booking agency out of Madison, Wisconsin. And he was just a fan uh, of the music and had been watching our career kind of from a distance. And and um, so it took him a number of years to, to reach out to us. Um, I think he wanted to see if we would continue to create content and like, what's our trajectory. And anyway, he was just a fan of the music. And after 50 years in COVID, he's like, he sold it. 
Um, so yes, SRO was awesome to us, uh, and they're helping us through the transition of finding a new agency. Um, but Jeff knows everybody and, and knows the agencies that, that really are dialed into the packs and that's where we want to be. So, um, yeah, that routing thing is something that I have always thought of being, I don't want to say a nightmare, but I I bet that's a very difficult job. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially when you're planning, like, a Harry Styles tour, for instance, you know? Right. Because then I started thinking about when you're playing at sports arenas and, like, oh, we would love to come through on this state. Oh, sorry, we have a Cardinals game. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, we need to go to this other state and then come back here. Yeah. And I guess it doesn't necessarily... I mean, that is more complicated because when you're top, top level of success and you're playing these massive places that you're sharing with right, sports or whatever it may be. Right. Um, but even on a smaller scale, if you're planning a 40, 50 show tour, that's, that is completely nuts. And yeah. especially the budgeting part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm sure that, I mean, obviously just gas alone, Yeah. but the hotel side of it and, if you're staying in a bus or you're vanning it like no it's and you've been through it yeah and yeah it's it's miserable and i'm so glad that we don't have to do that anymore because we used to do it all on our own um and you're trying to save money i mean how can you budget knowing that it's all door deals on the tour it's like well that's when you start crashing at friends houses and and or getting one room and we used to do that too like three of us I'd be on a cot or someone would be on a cot and then the two beds just to save money you know because there was no real money coming in um but yeah I don't I don't miss those days I don't I'm like this is where this is nice you know this is proper and and you're not driving you know six hours every day to get to the next hit um because as you say like you know gas is so expensive and uh, you know, I'm speaking of live from Laurel Canyon. I have to rent a 15 passenger van, and that's like $300 a day sometimes. Like that's real. That's real money. Yeah. Even on a on a four day run with two shows, you know, it's that's 15 with gas, right? So it's just it's like, damn, how does anybody do it? It's like you know buying a house in Phoenix now. Like how does anybody do that? Uh, you know. Anyway, so yeah, those yeah. those are things that I'm glad I don't have to do uh, deal with anymore and. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's that's why there are so many sectors of the music industry, because if you're not a professional in that industry, you don't quite realize how many different people are making things happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, me being a what I would still say a small local booking agency myself. Don't sell yourself short. Well, no, I mean, I appreciate it. and, And trust me, it's been a headache some days, but, but I mean, thinking about going to that, you know, quote unquote, next step, mm. it's a lot. Well, what is the next step for you? That's actually a good question. Hey, is this my, podcast that's actually or a good okay. question, Tanner. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that your own question is, is good. Oh, there's my dogs. Um, what is the next step for me? Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to do some more, festival bookings with like quote unquote national acts. Um, I was really fortunate to do the Kierland, uh, fine art and what fine art and wine festival last year and brought in David Ryan Harris. Yeah. Which was a perfect start for me. Um, as far as booking 
a national touring act for a fly date because all of those guys were just so cool and it was so low pressure, but there was still enough on the back end with obviously contracts, but writers and transportation. And like, Mm -hmm. I took care of all of that. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot. And funny story about that, actually, that I ended up feeling really bad about, but, um, I had a credit card that the only time I've ever lost a credit card. Did I lose it? I think I lost it. Uh, but that was the card on file for where they were staying. Mm. And they were checking out the day of, and it was like, oh, this card's not working. So David put it on his card. Oh my gosh. And I felt so bad. And so I was like going back and forth with them being like, no, obviously like this is being reimbursed, but right. like learning experience of mm-hmm. like, you have to have everything double checked. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that was, that was a really, really good start to me trying to get into that more. And I'm not trying to get into it more for business or success. It's just where my heart's at. Mm. Um, because I, because it was so cool seeing all these musicians on stage that we've all seen, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether it's playing with John Mayer or their own stuff. And I knew David Ryan's name from other than John Mayer, but it was just so cool that I was like, Hey, like this was, and again, like it, it sounds like I'm tooting my own horn here, but, but it's true. Like I thought of, I thought of them and was like, I think this would actually be a really cool thing when Kirlin brought up to me, um, Hey, we're looking to do something like way more than in the past with having local artists, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, which we're actually going back to, um, but that was kind of their goal. Like, Hey, can we do something and, and have you book something that could potentially bring in some outside guests that would not normally attend an event like this. Mm -hmm. So, so now I'm in the process of booking a, um, national country act for, um, uh, an October fest for a, a resort, um, I'm not going to release much information yet cause it's not set in stone. Um, but he's a, he's a coming up, um, artist from Nashville. And so it's just, it's just getting my feet wet and seeing how it's going back and forth with quote unquote national mm-hmm. booking agents and, um, agencies as far as like a full company where I'm reaching out and I'm having four different people get in contact with me daily and going back and forth with just all of the needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and thank God I can call on the, the artist that I play for Jacob Morris. He moved to Nashville two years ago with his wife, Ashlyn, but Ashlyn worked for, um, a pretty prominent booking agency here and now continues to do so in Nashville. Mm, I didn't know that. And so it's, it's a blessing that I can call her any day and be like, I don't know what this means. Mm-hmm. And it's just a learning experience. Yeah. Like you have to start somewhere and, there's certain emails that I feel like a complete idiot that, Oh, sorry, I didn't respond to what you were looking for. And thankfully they've been patient with me thus far, but Mm. it's always a balancing act of like, I I don't want to look like an idiot here, but I'm also trying to represent my client in the right way, but I need a lot of information from my clients. And so, I'm I'm a middleman. Right. That's that's what a booking agency you're, ultimately is. Yeah, is you're we're, a broker. Yeah, exactly. So 
so so that's one direction um the the podcast i'm actually getting way more serious about uh, my goal is to make it a mobile podcast i'm mm-hmm. shopping for some um cool uh old boutique campers hmm. um oh there you go like retrofit it yeah and, and and drive it around and yeah and so i can start uh doing podcasts with national acts rolling through town and you know by no means am i thinking that oh i'm gonna get you know a list of the a list right away and that may never happen but i think there's enough acts coming through town yeah that are playing at crescent or i was just gonna say park park it in the in the crescent lot yeah and and partner up with crescent and mm-hmm. say hey this this could be a good branding opportunity for you too yeah and after they sound check they pop over you got all the mics you have a quick conversation thanks to crescent they do the show i think it's a great idea Thank you. I'm su- I'm super excited about it, uh, and, and it's going to make it way easier for me to just even have local guests mm-hmm. because I have no problem driving to Peoria or Phoenix or Scottsdale and parking it in on the street and being mm-hmm. able to do it. Obviously with AC. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, hopefully nobody steals that idea. But <laughs> but I'm not trying to do it for the success part of it. It's it's a huge interest of mine, and I mean honestly, you've been an inspiration with it and your podcast, you're a amazing host and it's very well done. And, and every podcast that I listen to, I take just little notes from each one of, of how it can be better and, and, Thanks, uh, man. Ran awesome. smoothly, and this video thing. We'll see if this is even recording after I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that's too much for me. Like the whole, vi- like I, now I got to think about what the visual is. Like I'm, I'm yeah. worried. I'm, I'm worried enough about getting everything else right, let alone adding a third element to the whole thing. But not good on you, man. And, and this is one camera, so right. I've already been talking to Armijo oh, yeah. about the two camera thing and. There's like a quote unquote uh, AI software that can automate different camera angles. And I was uh, like, we're going to start with one. Yeah. Smart. And see how that goes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, um, it, it's all about keeping groove booking relevant and growing to be more than just a local agency. Mm-hmm. It is not about more money. It's not about more success. It's about longevity for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to work my ass off to keep it going that way. And a lot of these things are passion projects for me as well. Yeah. Did it ever... I, I always think about branding. And did you ever think to call it the Groove Booking Podcast? I mean, just to tie it all together? Um, I mean, I love Great Exposure. Yeah. You know, and I, and I understand where that's coming from. But if you're tr- anyway, not if you know, like the concept of creating this umbrella organization that does booking, podcasts, you know, national acts, and you know, kind mm-hmm. of tour management on some level. I don't know. I think about that, and I talk with Thornton all the time, and he's always coming up with different band names. I'm like, man, it should Matt Thornton. That's you. You are the brand. Like, go. Like, yeah. And 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 so I always wonder where does that fall into your consideration do you did you consider that or no uh, yes but i kind of already call it like groove bookings great exposure got you i just wanted it to have some sort of a title mm-hmm. other than my company name mm-hmm. just so i can kind of separate it yeah plus i thought it was kind of a fun play on term you know totally um <clears throat> but we'll see 
I mean, I'm only, this is 17 episodes. Lucky number 17. Yeah, lucky number 17. Come on. Um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, thanks for the question. I mean, I, trust me, my wheels are spinning all day, every day mm-hmm. for, it, it's all about what's going to ultimately keep me happy mm-hmm. working. And I can definitely overdo that and have too many things on my plate. But currently those are the things I'm excited about. And uh, I mean, rearranging this room last week was a bitch and a half, I'll say. But this kind of felt okay as far as like, I used to have one of those big grandiose studio desks. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't need this. And so I bought this like L-shaped desk and I put it in the corner and then... I flipped this thing around eight times and was like, what makes sense? So right. it's just... No, this feels right. Yeah, no, thank you. I, yeah. But yeah. it's it's all about, for me, keeping me interested and, in, in, again, just the company relevant in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to ask you, mm. off the subject of my company, <laughs> you just announced something in Europe mm-hmm. in February? Uh, no, in uh, uh, November, first three weeks of November. Oh, it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, is the date backwards then? Probably. Oh, did you see like, like, like 111 or something? I think I saw like 211 or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I have a whole thing to go into this because of uh, my conversation about Europe. Um, but what is that project? Is that Sweet Remains? Uh, no. The, um this is a kind of a separate thing that, that grew out of the sweet remains actually. But, um, uh, let me think. I think the first tour was like 2009. There was a, a local gentleman, a gentleman, um, who was also a fan of $10 outfit and you know, it, it was a trio. So it's mobile and, and, uh, and I had always wanted to, to tour in Europe. Um, I had lived there as a young adult and oh, you uh, did. yeah, uh, I did a, like a PG year there and a, and my junior year abroad was in Germany. So, so it's always been on my radar or, or like wish list. And uh, he just kind of out of the blue reached out and said, I, I, I'm into this band. I think I could get you some work in Europe. And so I was like, yes, whatever it takes. I think I maxed out a credit card to buy flights. (laughs) You know, I was like broke and, um, coming out of that recession. But I was like, I have to do this. I don't care what it takes. Or how much debt I'm going to be in. I think I even cashed in like some 401k stuff. Anyway, uh, I was m- very motivated to go and made it happen and, and had a ball. And um, it kind of grew from there. And and in, I think, 12 or 2013, I meet this guy, Tommy, who is still my agent over there. And he's based in southern Germany. And um, yeah, sometimes, you know, when we were really busy with Europe, we'd go three times a year. Uh, others uh, was spring and fall, um, and then over obviously the last couple of years um, it has been more infrequent, more less frequent. Anyway, uh, haven't gone over as often as I would like to. But um, we went over in twenty one. We went over in um, in twenty. No, no, not twenty. Sorry, nineteen. Fall of nineteen. So anyway, yeah, it's it's awesome and we're doing two weeks in Germany and we're doing a week in the Netherlands and so the the original band that went over was kind of a hodgepodge of different people and then it's kind of evolved into this other thing we do a lot of Sweet Remains stuff because that demo um, they love vocal harmony because they love that 60s, 70s American pop music 
Um, so it's a little bit of everything, um, and I try to promote live from Laurel Canyon when this the Brian Chartrand trio goes over there because I hope I, I want to do this um, f- what is it Frogger thing where you know fall will be this project next tour will be live from Laurel Canyon trio next project you know so and then I'll be promoting everything in the future with every tour that I do you know right so <clears throat> would you say that any of your material whether it be your original Brian Chartrand stuff, um, Sweet Remains, Life from Laurel Canyon. Is that more popular in Europe? Less? Similar? Uh, wait. Um, oh, which, like, what, which catalog is, is more popular? Over I mean, there, any or? of them, yeah. Well, they, they, they're big fans of the Sweet Remains. They, again, they, they love that, that harmony thing. Um, and usually the instrumentation is acoustic guitar, bass, and cajon player. And everyone sings. It's evolved since then. Um, the bass player had a kid and couldn't go, so I brought on my friend Alex um, Miller out of New York and my buddy Jeff Falone out of Burlington, Vermont. Um, yeah, they, they love the Sweet Remains stuff. I mean, and I've been plugging that music for over 10 years, so they right. know it, you know. Um, and they love the Live from Laurel Canyon stuff because that's their era of music as well. So right. I'm trying to, like, make it an undeniable show, Cover, like not a ton of covers, maybe two covers, uh, and then all original. Um, <clears throat> touching on, yeah, as you say, like my solo stuff, uh, and then the Sweet Remains stuff. But do you have a <clears throat> greater following in Europe oh, than America? I don't think so. Um, okay. But it's good. I mean, we we've we've been playing some of the same rooms, and we have a lot of friends over there now. So it's it's definitely a vibe, and and. But I still think that the U.S., um, you know, what's a hub? I mean, Phoenix is a hub for us, the Sweet Remains. Mm-hmm. Um, New England is definitely a hub for us. And, um, yeah, Southern Germany is a hub. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's very strange. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I brought up Europe because uh, we are very lucky with this opportunity. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we're going to Europe for the first time in September. Nice. Uh, Where are you going? So I'll I'll get to that in a second. Okay. So we, we thought we had taken our like big trip of the year this past April. weren't planning on anything, and then her work. My wife is a uh, interior designer. Uh, she has a vendor flying her and her coworker out to Frankfurt. Nice. We know very little about Europe, and mm-hmm. so we thought, hey, this is a great opportunity. They're paying for your flights to there and home. Um, I'm going to join a few days later with uh, her coworker's boyfriend. We're going to fly out there together. And we're right now we're planning on doing uh, uh, Germany, which is actually during Oktoberfest, mm-hmm. uh, and then going to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Tell me what I need to know about <laughs> Europe and kind of your favorite places that you've been. Okay. Uh, <laughs> how much time do we have? Uh <laughs> Or we can just talk about those two countries, whatever. Yeah. So, um, all right. So you fly into Frankfurt. You're going to get a rental car. Or you're going to do the train. We're going to do the train thing. Okay. And where are you going after Frankfurt? Right now, we're going to go to Lucerne. Yeah. In Switzerland. In Beautiful. Switzerland. Stunning. Awesome. That's what we've heard. Switzerland is like a it's like a fairy tale where you can buy sausage and drink beer. It's really right. It's so stunning. I mean, not to say that Germany isn't stunning. Um, I don't know. I don't know a ton about Frankfurt, but um, you're well positioned. You're you're kind of just north 
of kind of wine country. Um, you're just, you're a couple hours north of like the Black Forest. You're not far from Bavaria, which is really where Oktoberfest is celebrated. Is that near Munich? Munich is in Bavaria. Okay, so, so we're doing Bavaria Munich. Bavaria is like a province. I see. We're doing Munich the last day that we're there before we fly home. Um, what date is that? Is it during Oktoberfest? Yeah, it's like September 24th-ish. Yeah. Yeah, that's and I think great. it goes till October third. Yeah, and it just happened to be that. Like, yeah. I mean, this only came together like four or five weeks ago that she learned about it, and then mm. we started researching it, and it was like Oktoberfest was during that yeah. week. Well, it's it's not really celebrated that heavy outside of Bavaria, but you you'll okay. be in Bavaria, yeah. And, and that's the, if you're gonna go experience it, that's the classic, you know, the huge beer halls and right. the huge. Uh, steins of beer the the leaders you know of beer but you don't drink beer do you that's the thing i'm not a beer guy yeah it's gonna be interesting i'm, I'm gonna try it okay but okay. if i have I, I am german yeah part yeah and well, last name is pretty i yeah. know and so it, i have a ton of friends that are like you're gonna fit right in everybody's gonna think you're from germany and i'm like that's a bad thing because i'm gonna be offered these massive yeah. beers and be like Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, dropped it. Uh, no, that that's a beautiful part of the country. Um, you know, the Rhine River kind of flows south into uh, the Bodensee, obviously, which is a, a big lake yeah. between Germany, Switzerland, and Austria. And that time of year, it's going to be beautiful, and, and Switzerland's beautiful. I mean, I'm psyched that you're going to do some train rides because... It, that's a stunning way to see Switzerland is is from the vantage point of the train, because um, you you know you'll go into a tunnel then you'll pop out and you're in this like canyon and there's yeah. this beautiful lake and mountains and um, it's really stunning. Um, yeah, it's, you're gonna have a ball. Food's I'm killing. So excited. You know. Um, yeah, the the train ride from. So she has to fly into Frankfurt because of the work mm-hmm. thing. But from Frankfurt to uh, Lucerne is, um, I think, four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I, I think a lot of people <clears throat> know the train system there is obviously much better than in the U.S. Yeah, and really, we don't even have a train system technically, right? Right. We do, but it's it's nothing like Europe. No. Um, so that's something that you've done many of times? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's like second to none? Well, yeah, no, it's very, it's very well organized, very comfortable. I would, I would suggest on a four-hour trip. I mean, maybe not do this exactly, but I would get like, I'd get like a six-pack of beer and some food, like some sandwiches, you, you know. And they, and they have, you know, you just chill and you watch yeah. the world go by, and you have a glass of wine, and you're like, wow, this is incredible. Um, yeah, we used to ride the train like exclusively when I was when I was younger because it was cheap. You know, you could put, I think it was five people for 15 Deutschmark, which was not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And you could go anywhere in Germany uh, over the weekend, a round trip. So as poor college kids were like, all right, we're going to Munich tomorrow. Let's go right for the weekend. And, and then, or all right, we're going to Berlin. All right, let, let's get, you know. So we would, yeah, we lived on the trains. And it was awesome. I mean, they don't, they don't, they're not perfect, but, but they're great, well-organized, clean, consistent, you know, the, the, um, Train stations have everything you need, so if you forgot something, you can grab some, you know, get a coffee and a and a and a chocolate croissant, and then you hop on. I mean, I love it. I love. Have you spent the majority of your European time in Germany? Yep. 
Yep, for okay. sure. I mean, even the even the tours because my guy lives in Germany. He that's where his connections are. But we'll do, you know, we'll do like a week in the Netherlands, and I've I've toured in Denmark a couple times, and I've done shows in Austria. I've done a tour in Italy. Played a bunch in Switzerland. But yeah, I would say the the vast majority is in Germany. Cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, You're gonna so, have a great time. I'm I'm so stoked. But I mean, the the furthest we've, we've ever gone is um, just Caribbean deals on cruises and for honeymoon, uh, not cruises, one cruise. Um, so we've never had a language barrier because all of these places are so touristy. Mm-hmm. Is the language barrier pretty great, or do you find that still a lot of people speak some English? Uh, Which I don't expect, by the way. I'm going yeah. to do my part to learn basic things mm-hmm. before I have two months ish. Yeah. Um, but just generally, I mean, do you find that like no, most people just speak their language? Well, I mean, you know, the the, the deeper you get into the countryside, I'm sure. The, right. But they speak great English. I mean, better than me. You know, better than <laughs> us. <clears throat> they, I mean, because they've yeah. been learning it since they were little kids. <clears throat> and maybe maybe it's generational. You know, a little bit, but. No, everyone. I mean, they they love American popular culture, so they're consuming. Oh, do they? Yeah, English all the time. Okay. You know, American music and American f- clothing and movies, and you mm-hmm. know. So, yeah, I don't think you're going to have an issue. So, that was my next question: is that as far as like music goes in these European countries, obviously they have some of their own artists and such, but but it does seem popular that. The, the biggest American artist here is still the biggest artist in that country. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as local music goes, is that as popular as it is in, uh, I think we would consider Phoenix a pretty um, large hub for being able to make a living playing cover music and local music. Is that kind of the same thing in Europe from what you've seen? Um, well, yeah, the, I would say that, that Germany loves live music. Um, and you know, Frankfurt, you'll have a, you'll have a number of venues in Frankfurt and and there'll be musicians at wine bars, just like there is here. Like there's the same kind of stratosphere of venues over there as over, as over here. And in fact, the, um, a lot of the places that we play are kind of a a listening room environment as well. So it, 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 but you could go get a gig at a pub too, at an Irish pub on the corner. Um, and they have huge stadium shows and but yeah they they obviously have their own um german uh pop stars but mm-hmm. you know you know bruce springsteen will go over and sell out stadiums over there too so it, they they love american music just as much as they love their kind of classic german pop star stuff too yeah but i'm just i'm just wondering if if local artists like you and i well i'm i'm playing drums for local artists but same thing are they doing a lot of American music in English? Yeah, I would say. I mean, maybe I'm not the best <clears throat> resource for this because I don't really hang out at those places when I go. Right. But um, uh, yeah, I would say. I would say. So th- there's a you know th- I mentioned an Irish pub. Like there's Irish pubs in every town basically. I don't know what it is, but Germans love Irish pubs. Oh, okay. And, and there'll be like sessions, you know, on Sundays and mandolins will come out and and it's all english you know or irish you know and um and then yeah i'm trying to think like of of cover bands that i've seen they're all covering american music basically okay you know well it's just interesting because in america we're not covering 
Right. We're not listening to German music on the radio. No. Yeah. So it's, that's just interesting how that goes. But then at the same time in America, a lot of our biggest artists that we go see and listen to on a daily basis are from the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, think of think of the mega, mega stars in the world that are all from the UK, like Ed Sheeran and Harry Styles and then mm-hmm. Adele. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we have like more American artists like Beyonce and so and so forth. Taylor but, Swift. And... Taylor Swift. But um, yeah. But it's just unreal to me that how how prominent it feels like. Well, I guess Ed is from Ireland. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I think I don't know. Maybe not. Is actually. that a Brit? I thought no. He was I a think Brit. he is actually from the UK. Okay. But yeah, it it is interesting that it's like why don't we have a massive Italian or German star that is crossing over into America? And, and that's that's something that I've. But Chelly, you know, who's the who's the singer guy? He does the uh, Italian arias, the blind cat. He's Italian. Um, is it B- Andre Andre Bocelli? Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, it's it's few and far between. That's yeah. the one cat, right? The, the one Italian guy that crossed over, literally made and it, had success and had success. Yeah. But, but he wasn't pop, right? I mean, right. that was it's super like, niche. Yeah. 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 So, but anyways, yeah. I'm uh, I'm super excited for Europe, and and I've heard great things from everybody so far. So you're gonna have a ball. That's a great time of year because it's like not summer tourist season. So it's gonna right. be, and the weather's still gonna be nice. You know, it's it gonna was be like 60s. It's yeah, it's gonna be crisp. It'll bring a jacket, and yeah. oh man, I'm I'm envious. But I'll be there a couple couple weeks after you. Cool, that's yeah. awesome. Well, I'll let them know you're coming. Please do. Be like, there's this guy. Is like, he kind of looks German. Taller cat, got a sleeve. Uh, yeah. Don't entertain him. Just <laughs> don't even kick. Look, don't look him in the eyes. <laughs> Just kick him out of your bar. Yeah. Um, well, hey man, I really appreciate you coming out. Thanks for having me. I think this is a good point to end. And uh, congrats on all your success with. Uh, every project you're doing and <laughs> your podcast is killing it and Thanks, i'm man. happy for you man thank you very much and I, I i look forward to seeing you know how how groove booking and, and this podcast evolves and and uh you you have a good head on your shoulders and focused and and professional so keep keep up the good work man well thank you so much brian Chartrain, everybody Woo-hoo. see you next time